Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of, and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also, visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette. And as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today was raised in Park Rapids, Minnesota and graduated from Nevis, Minnesota. She holds two bachelor's degrees in business and economics and secondary education. Also holds a dual master's degree in business administration, hospitality, and tourism. She's been teaching and training in martial arts for over a decade and in 2017 took the leap and opened her own school just down the road from my house in Moorhead, Minnesota. When she isn't running her school, her and her husband own Olson, Ani, and Canvas the shadiest business in town. She also enjoys outdoor activities like kayaking and fishing. A fellow kayaker, I love it. She loves to travel, try new food, and enjoys cooking. Please welcome my guest today, Alexis Potter. How are you doing today, Alexis? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you taking the time. I'm glad we're doing this. I'm very excited to, to get to know you more. I'm excited too. Well, as as you know, you said you listened to some episodes and kind of how we kick things off. I want to go back to that very beginning. and I, I want to know where that first spark came from, that first interest in martial arts, and kind of what kicked off your martial arts journey. Sure. So I guess if I had to go way back before I even actually took my first martial arts class, I guess I'd have to give some credit to the Ninja Turtles nice. um, as a young kid. <laughs> like Definitely it was like the first um, introduction to anything martial arts related. Um, when all the other boys were playing with martial arts or with the Ninja Turtles, I wanted to do that too. Everybody loved Michelangelo. I was definitely more a Leonardo fan. Okay. Um, so that was kind of my, my get into um, anything martial arts related. From there, I was introduced to Walker, Texas Ranger, cool. became obsessed with like Chuck Norris and that whole genre of um, martial arts and action movies in fourth grade. You know, those projects where you have to write a paper about somebody famous. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked up Chuck Norris, of course. And really? then, yeah, I did. I thought and actually I remember having to argue with my teacher because we were we actually had to pick from like a hat about like either a movie star or an athlete. And I drew athlete and i tried to make an argument that chuck norris was an athlete mm-hmm. so that i could do this paper and I've, and then you know so thus i won the argument and wrote a paper about chuck norris and um in doing that research i realized he had done movies and i didn't know that um other than my exposure to walker texas ranger so then of course i had to watch all of his movies and then that kind of opened the floodgate to all kinds of action movies so my dad let me watch everything from like rocky to the diehards to rambo you name it that whole genre of action movies was kind of my thing. And then from there, being in Nevis, taking actual martial arts classes wasn't really a thing people did in that area. So that wasn't really an option. So then sixth grade rolled around. Um, I got asked to play basketball. And then from basketball, I kind of went into, you know, the volleyball, softball, high school athletics. So my interest in martial arts kind of faded early on. I'd read like as many martial arts books I could get my hands on 
on from the local library, but again, not being able to train in martial arts at that point in time. So it just kind of took a back seat. So it kind of faded out of my life and my interest. Then after that, I kind of kind of grew up. You know, I went uh, to college. I went to Northland College in Ashland, Wisconsin. Played played volleyball and softball for them. Nice. And then okay. I I enjoyed that. That was so I was I was kind of been pretty athletic, you know. And then after college, I didn't really know what I was going to do with my life. And then my mom was like, "Well, if you don't really know what you're going to do, you should probably do some more school." So I was <laughs> like, um, which I didn't know was probably the best response for my mom to give me. But I thought, what the so I went and applied to NDSU and MSUM, MSUM for teaching and NDSU to get my MBA. I'd always wanted to go to NDSU. Um, when I graduated, NDSU was kind of in that transition of going from D1 to D2 softball. And so playing softball for them really wasn't an option, which is why I ended up going to Northland College. Okay. Um, so then I came back. Uh, I got into the MBA program at NDSU. And life just has this weird way of, of throwing you curveballs. I remember sitting in my first couple MBA classes at NDSU and I met this amazing professor and he came up to me one day and said, Alexis, why are you in this program? And I said, uh, I don't know. And he's like, probably not a good answer. Um, So, yeah. And I really appreciated the fact that he took the time to uh, get to know me. So we sat down and we talked about, you know, my interests and things like that. And we decided that a like a dual master's program with a hospitality tourism emphasis was probably where I really wanted to be at that point in time. I'd worked seasonally at in restaurants and hotels growing up. I worked at Campanero in Dorset um, for like over a decade. So I just really enjoyed that uh, restaurant industry. And then from there, I applied and actually went to school in um, Southern Cross University in Australia because they had an amazing MBA hospitality program. So I did my one semester at NDSU. I got done in December. I packed up my bags after Christmas and flew to Australia. Wow, (laughs) that's cool. It was was a leap of faith and it was really exciting. And I'd always wanted to travel international and study abroad. Um, But again, being from Nevis, those opportunities weren't just just readily available. Mm -hmm. Um, So I decided to do that. I got to Australia and I thought, you know, being an athlete, I should I should find something. I should at least stay in shape and and go find a gym and meet people. And that's, you know, what they say to do. So it's interesting in Australia, though, because you don't just walk around and find anytime fitnesses or planet (laughs) fitness. Those gyms just aren't like right in your face in Australia. Um, So so I uh, it took me a few days and I was I was walking around because I didn't have a car there. So I I had to walk everywhere. Um, And so I was walking and one day I was walking around this block and I heard these kids playing basketball and in this gym. And I walked into this gym and on my right, there were kids playing basketball. And on my left, I looked and there was these guys at the time. I didn't quite know exactly what they were doing, but they were boxing. And I walked up to the door and this guy comes up to me and he's like, are you here for boxing classes? I said, uh, no, I'm not registered. I just kind of looked at him and he's like, well, do you want to give it a try? And I thought, sure. (laughs) Really? Okay. So I ended up taking boxing classes. That was my first real like introduction to anything physical um, for martial arts. Um, Yeah. So I did. I took a year of boxing in Australia. Absolutely loved it. It was just the most intense, exciting thing I'd I'd ever done. Didn't do any competing, just just training Mm -hmm. uh, and loved it. 
I, um, from there, I graduated in December and again, life happens. So I didn't, uh, didn't really know what I was doing. So, you know, you, when you don't know what you do, you just throw darts at the board and see what sticks, so to speak. Uh, so I interviewed for a bunch of jobs and I got a call back from a Canadian company who was recruiting Australians to go work at the 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver. Wow. So I got the job offer and I told them, yes, I would be very interested in working at the 2010 Olympics, but I have a confession. And they go, oh, what's that? I'm American. And they're like, oh, because <laughs> I was in Australia and I was like very concerned because um, with work visas and whatnot. And they said, no problem. You just have to stop at the border and meet meet our manager and he'll give you your, your visa. And I said, OK. And so I went and worked at the Olympics in, in Vancouver. Actually, I was stationed up in Whistler, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that. And then from there, I got recruited to go work in Alaska at the Glacier Bay National Park. So I worked there as an operations manager for Glacier Bay and did that for about five seasons. Absolutely loved it. Best experience ever. I'd highly recommend Glacier Bay to anybody. It's a fantastic place to visit. And then after that, after about five seasons of that, the company I was working for ended up going through a restructuring. So they were bringing on a whole new management team, changing things out. So I knew I uh, wouldn't be going back. So I was like, close the close that chapter, so to speak. And then again, when you don't know what to do, you you come home. Mm-hmm. So I went home and uh, talked to my mom and dad. And my mom, <laughs> she roped me into going on one of those like multi-generational road trip things. So <laughs> I, <laughs> so I was like my mom and my aunts and my grandma and my mom is originally from Wilton, North Dakota. So we hopped in the car and picked up my grandma and my aunts in Fargo and we headed headed west and we went and you know did all the you know the family things went and saw the family farm in Wilton and and anyway but the big the big stop well we stopped at the Veterans Memorial Cemetery that's where my grandfather is is buried so we stopped there but of course the big stop was the Prairie Nights Casino because that's you know the highlight of the trip <laughs> you know, so like, um, it's just not gambling's not my thing but I was a good sport about it and so we get to the casino and again not being my thing my mom's like here's here's 40 bucks go go play blackjack and my dad that's the one thing my dad had taught me he knew I knew how to play blackjack so I went over to the blackjack table and I, I started playing blackjack and struck up this conversation with the the blackjack dealer and I told him, you know, they do like, what are you doing in town and that sort of thing. And I was like, well, I'm here with my, you know, my mom and my grandma and my aunts and stuff. And, and it's not really my thing. And he goes out of nowhere. He goes, well, if you're not doing anything tomorrow, I'm hosting a self-defense seminar in Bismarck. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay. Like, wow. so I go, so I go back, so I go back to my, to my, you know, hotel room and tell my mom, I said, Hey, would you mind if I go check out the self-defense seminar in Bismarck? And she's like, sure. So she gives me the car. Cause of course they were going to have breakfast and you know hang out at the hotel and whatnot and so i go to the self-defense seminar and meet uh shanshifu martin from minot and he and this other black dag dealer were co-hosting a a self-defense seminar and it was like a two-hour seminar i just felt instantly in love with this like concept of of empowerment and and hitting stuff and and being an athlete i guess maybe i was looking for something and it just really resonated with me and he he recognized right away that i was fairly athletic and he's like hey you're pretty good at this and I was like thanks and I was enjoying it and after the seminar he said hey I'm 
I'm going to test some of my students. If you if you want to stick around and watch, you're you're welcome to do so. And I thought, okay, sure. I'd never, I had never, I had no idea what martial arts was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about testing. <laughs> like that was a whole new thing. And so I remember sitting there in the bleachers watching him. Um, what at the time sounded to me like barking out commands, you know, and and so I was watching these these lower ranks at the time test, and then he got up to some of his upper ranks, and I remember watching specifically this uh, younger female student, and he and she just the way her body moved, it was just almost mesmerizing. And then the assistant instructor, I remember watching him like go out and like try to choke her or tackle her, and she just like dismantled him, and I was like, oh my god, like <laughs> that is the coolest thing I'd ever seen, and I was like, I want to do that. Like, I want to be able to do that. And I remember afterwards, uh, Shanjifu Martin came up to me and he's like, hey, if you're, you know, if you're ever in Minot, we'd love to have you come train with us. You know, that would be so cool. And I was like, yeah, you know, and that'd be neat, you know. And, and I was like, thanks for the offer. And I was really respectful and stuff. And I went back to the hotel room and I told my mom, I was like, hey, I went to this awesome thing today. And I really think that this is something I'd be interested in doing. And my mom was like, well, you know, we have second cousins in Minot, right and I was like uh no like no like I you know the cousins that I'd maybe met twice in my life at weddings like didn't even know who these people were and um, and then she was like you know you're not doing anything this fall right and I was like right I don't know what I'm doing yet and she's like you know there's an oil boom going on in North Dakota right now right and I'm like no really hadn't crossed my mind mom (laughs) so so she's like well I'll, I'll call your cousins maybe they got an extra bedroom if it's something you're serious about and I next thing I know we went home I packed my bags moved to Minot North Dakota lived with cousins I'd never really met and started training with Shanshifu Martin five days a week twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays and uh, that kind of kicked it off (laughs) wow (laughs) that's quite the story (laughs) how how long did you stay in Minot five years I trained trained with him five years five days a week twice a week um just head over heels into it just that's I just did it and I, yeah so that's so awesome wow I have so many so many questions popping into my head right now <laughs> that's like wow. first of all I've never been to Australia that's on my bucket list I want to go to Australia which is cool I love that you've been there and also you actually it's so I, I my one of my side jobs I'm a sports PA announcer and I actually announce basketball volleyball and softball <laughs> <laughs> so, which are the three sports and I actually announced yeah. volleyball and softball for NDSU <laughs> so nice yeah and basketball for Concordia so so yeah three sports that I love watching and love announcing so that's really really cool nothing to do with martial arts but hey it's kind of cool yeah, it is <laughs> nice. it is so you, you started right away now at what point at what level and, and how long after you had moved to Minot did you get involved in the competition side of things did you or did you not yourself so I didn't Shoshu is very self-defense based. It's mm-hmm. very originally early on. I was kind of um, we were told and I was under the impression that like we didn't do a lot of training because what we're told is and taught is that self-defense is is the primary focus of Shoshu. Mm-hmm. And so we teach, you know, arm bars and, and and, you know, eye gouges and hitting them to the groin and, and all the self-defense, like really brutal things you need to know for self-defense purposes. Um, so it doesn't really blend into competing real easily, if that makes sense. Yep. And so we have to. So if I was going to compete, then it's like, OK, well, then we have to train differently. Like, OK, now we can't kick to the head or we can't punch to the head and all the things you do in self-defense. So mm-hmm. I didn't actually start out competing. It wasn't really until much, much later on, actually, after I had gotten my black belt that I did any um, competing. We did in-school competing, but 
nothing outside of our system. Okay, that makes sense. So. That makes perfect sense. So what are some things that stand out about your instructor, your first instructor? I mean, you obviously you st- stayed with it for five years. I'm, I'm guessing a lot had to do with your instructor and a lot had to do with the style. Kind of what was it, some things that you remember about your instructor that really stood out? Sure. So he he himself is just a, a phenomenal martial artist. I really enjoyed the way he was able to make techniques come alive and not just being like monotonous in terms of like step one is this, step two is this. Like his probably his strength, it was making them real. And and the application of what he was doing was really important to me because that's how my brain works. Like I need to see how this would work. And because I think a lot of times when you watch people do, um, for lack of better terms, like air karate and in the air, you're like, what the heck are they doing? Like, mm-hmm. what is that? really going to work? What is that? Um, and so he was always good at making the transition to real life application for me. And so I just absolutely loved that. And then his ability to like, really think about the anatomy of how you get your body to move to generate like maximum power, so to speak. Like that was really important to me. And it really resonated with what I wanted to get out of my training. I didn't just want to, you know, get belts and, and, you know, break boards and not that that stuff isn't cool and doesn't have its place, but I really wanted to have something that was real life, real world, that if I was ever to be attacked, that I'd feel confident enough to defend myself. And I have to admit, you know, when you first opened your school and I saw the the story about it in the local newspaper, that was the first I'd actually heard of Shoshu. I knew nothing about it. And I know a lot about martial arts. So just talk a little bit about the style and kind of like the background, maybe a little bit about the history of it for listeners who maybe are like me and didn't know anything about it at first. Sure. So Shoshu is a Chinese form of self-defense. Shoshu roughly translates to like beast way or the fighting way of the beast or animal. And it's an animal art. So I always tell parents that it's very similar to like if they've seen Kung Fu Panda, like we, it's an animal art. So we do bear and crane and tiger and mantis and mongoose and ultimately uh, your dragon um, styles. But at the end of the day, like a punch is a punch and a kick is a kick. And, Mm -hmm. but what for makes us really special is just that that drew me to it in the first place was that application of a self-defense we you know like the first right off the get-go we teach kids like okay if somebody tries to hit you on your head like you got to do an upper block and then like how to deal with those real in-your-face confrontation sort of situations okay cool so what are some things you remember about your black belt test kind of what was that experience like Intense. <laughs> Intense. It's um, so for, well, and actually like some in our art, you don't always know when you're being tested. Um, so we, so my instructor's instructor and, and a lot of the roots of Shoshu, even though it's a Chinese art, it's very predominant in California. And my instructor's originally from California. So we spend a lot of time going back and forth to California, getting upper level training or more in-depth training, or just to, you know, have family and community with our other school schools in California. Um, and so it was, it was intense. I, I remember going and for what I thought was just a routine training um, by myself, my instructor didn't unfortunately be able to make that trip. And I went and I, I did four days of training and I, and I thought I did great and I loved it. And I remember coming back and he just being like, dude, why'd you biff it? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he was like, wow. he's like, they were, they were looking at you for your black belt. And I was like, Huh. Interesting. And I remember, I remember thinking when I got back from that, that four day training and it was intense, it was really intense. And I, I was thinking, and I I remember Friday night, I remember a girl getting her black belt and I remember being just 
frustrated. I'll put it that way. I was frustrated because I thought, man, I knew if I had had to fight her competitively one-on-one, I would have crushed her. Like, that's what I kept telling myself. I was like, I don't understand why she got hers and I didn't get mine. And I don't know what they, what I did wrong. And I thought, I thought I did pretty good. I thought, you know, but he, he, apparently I didn't do something. And so I, and I didn't even know I was being tested. And so he's like, it's okay. You know, there's another opportunity in six months to go back. And so I did. And I, I remember going back six months later and knowing at this point, like he was on the line, you know, mm-hmm. and, so I remember going and I remember it was it was intense. It was four days of very brutal training, to say the least. Uh, Shoshu is not at the upper, upper echelon, so to speak. It's not very, um, how do I put this? It's not very, I don't want to say it's not female friendly, but there just isn't a lot of females at that level. Okay. And so I remember, I remember being, um, for example, in the group I was in, there was probably 20 students and I was the only female. Wow. And I remember, and I was the youngest, I was the youngest, uh, well, I wouldn't say the youngest, I was the lowest ranking at the time because I was a, what they call a black prep. And I remember this this fifth degree standing in, in front and he just, I don't know if he just didn't want a female there or what, I, I didn't really know what was going on, but I, I remember him calling me up at one point of the, and, and he was, you know, telling me, talking to me and stuff and, and just more or less taunting me, you know, kind of in a, in a, in a, in a martial arts sort of hazing way, like, come on, if you're going to do this, you got to be tough, you know, you got to be strong, you know, that sort of thing. And, and I remember thinking like, this is going to go one of two ways and I don't know which way it's going to go. And I remember him telling me flat out that, that he was going to punch me. And, and I was like, okay, and this fifth degree. And he, and he was, you know, I don't know, like what looked in my mind, looking back at, it, I must've been like six, eight, 280 <laughs> pounds, just like this biggest guy I'd ever seen in my entire life, you know, wow. like, and I'm short. And I remember thinking he's told me he's going to punch me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to just stand here. And I, and he's like, you better block, you better block. And I'm like, okay. And I, and I, knew he was going to give it all he got right like and I was like okay and so he went to punch me he, he, and he was talking to all the guys and I was standing you know he had his back to me and I was like he's going to turn around and punch me and of course he turns around and he goes to throw his punch and he stops short of, of any anywhere near me to, to actually like hit me and I said okay this is this is not gonna and then he then rather than him punching me I remember him calling up the second degree and he told the second degree you punch her and knock her out or I'm going to demote you. And I was like, oh no. (laughs) And I was like, I was intense. It was intense. And I was like, okay, um, it's going to be him or me. I see how this is going to go. And I remember thinking, okay, I can do this, (laughs) you know? And then he tells me the fifth degree calls out a technique and he says, uh, you have to use this technique on him. So it wasn't even that I could do anything I wanted. I had to do this very specific technique into the second degree black belt. And I remember looking at this guy going, Hey, it is what it is, right? Like, you know, it's, it's fine, <laughs> you know? And I, I didn't, I, you just, cause he knew that like this, if it was, you know, literally him or me. And, and so I was like, okay, we're going to do this. And I remember the, the black belt, the second degree black belt throwing a punch. And the next thing I know he was on the ground. And so I was like, wow. well, <laughs> I, um, I, you know, like it just, it just kicked in. And yeah, I don't even, rem- like, I know the technique to this day I had to use. Mm-hmm. And then I, I helped him up and we went and both sat down and, and went on with our training, you know, and uh, there were, there were other incidences similar to that that occurred over the, the four day period. But I think that was probably the one, um, there was another one, but uh, that was probably the one that stood out the most in my mind, knowing that technique to this day and just being like, yeah, okay, this, this, uh, this is real. This stuff that they teach that I need to know how to do is real. So did he so, actually get demoted? 
he did not okay. <laughs> he did not thank goodness <laughs> but i knew like i think he was like you know he which was good and i was glad but just i was motivation. like you know <laughs> just a little just a little like um you know so that's so crazy and insane yeah wow that's yeah. I, I love hearing about others black belt tests just because there's every style every school they're so different yeah <laughs> yeah it's they're they're crazy i mean I, mine was I, I used to i used to think mine was insane when it was like two and a half hours <laughs> when i've talked to these people it's like you know four days and 18 hours and i'm like oh my god <laughs> yeah. So, yeah that's so cool nice so then you obviously you, you passed that time you got your black belt and went, went yes. back so now had you started teaching at that point were you assisting with class or did that not start till after your i know some styles they won't let you teach until you're a black belt Oh, no, I'd, I'd been teaching pretty much from the get-go um, with my training with uh, Shunchu Martin and Minot. It's pretty much after I got like my third or fourth belt. Like um, I was probably the lowest rank that he probably ever let teach. Maybe I'm not really sure. Um, I had, I had done a lot of, I'd had experience teaching before I'd coached you softball and I'd tutored in in college and and done a bunch of like teaching. So, and then being a hospitality, I don't know, maybe just thought I was good with people and kids. So, and I love teaching kids, obviously. Um, So I just kind of jumped right in and he held hold bags. He showed me how to hold bags. You know, that's how you start. You got to learn how to hold bags because having a good bag holder is makes the world of a difference you know so he showed me how to hold bags and started me out in kids class and then yeah pretty much started teaching from when I was like well in our system a purple belt you know so did that all the way through and then when I got my black belt in order pretty much from brown in our system from brown belt to black belt teaching is mandatory um okay yeah yep so you have to teach you have to give back you have to put in teaching hours um, to get your black belt And then from there, what a lot of people don't know is when we get our black belt, you don't actually, you get your black belt, but you're not technically a first degree yet. So when you get your black belt, you have to train for another six months. And during that six months, you're required to teach your own classes under the supervision of a head instructor. And so you teach your own classes for six months and then, then they make you do your black belt test all over again. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yep. To make sure you haven't like sloughed off or Mm -hmm. you didn't want to just get your black belt for resume building or um, this sort of stuff. And so they, 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 yeah. So then you have to teach and train and give back to the system for at least a minimum of six months before you, and then they make you retest, which at that point, hopefully you've been training and practicing and the second time around, it's super easy, right? Um, It's still not that easy, but it's a lot (laughs) easier than the first time because you know what to expect, so to speak. And yeah, so then I got my second, I uh, got my official first degree. And uh, then from there, I, I, you know, I talked to, to Shanchu Martin and was like, what, where do I go from here? And he's like, well, you know, let's work on your teaching. And um, I, at that point, I'd kind of expressed some interest in maybe opening my own school someday. And he said, well, okay. if we're going to do that, then let's, uh, let's get an internship program going. Even though I'd been working with him, training with him forever, it was like, let's make this a little more official. Um, and you, you need to create your own program, you know? And so, I thought, okay, well, I'm in Minot. What does that look like? And so there's, of course, Velva and Surrey and Max. And so I petitioned to the do an after school program for for those smaller communities. And so I went out to Max um, two days a week. And then I went out to Velva and Surrey two days a week and kind of started my own programs. And I and I taught taught those for for two years. Now, when you left, were you able to let someone take those over? So we did have some, um, I know Shantipu Martin had a couple 
coming up underneath me that did it for a little while. I think, unfortunately, they kind of phased out. I know they're, yeah, which is unfortunate. Um, but you know, you gotta have, you gotta have the staff and the people interested and stuff. So, um, so I do feel bad about that. I wish that was, those were programs that, you know, we could have kept alive. I know a couple of the students from Surrey did end up driving into Minot. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I was actually going to ask, did any of them stick with it? So that's good. That's good that they did. So it's, 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 those are your babies. So you started that from scratch. I mean, that's, you obviously care about that. So that's kind of cool. So then when the decision came to move to, to Fargo-Moorhead, was that already in your mind? I want to open a school when we get here. Yes, kind of. It was, it was kind of a a trifecta of, of situations that kind of occurred. I was, I was training with him and I, and absolutely loved it, but I got my, my parents um, from the Park Rapids Nevis area were getting a little older and I was feeling kind of the pull to like maybe move a little closer to home. And then I was also like, getting to that point in my life where I'm like, if I'm ever going to like settle down and have a family, I should probably take this dating thing a little more serious. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so like, um, so, so I was like, where, and then we were like, and then I talked to Shenshu Martin about like, okay, so, you know, probably needing to start thinking about opening my own school or, or doing something like that. Cause if I ever want to become a full-time martial artist and, you know, make a living at it, so to speak, I'm going to have to have my own school and grow, grow my own school. And with his blessing, we kind of talked, about it and we um, looked into the area and, and found an opportunity here in, in Moorhead to do that and with his blessing um, we yeah jumped in and I, I opened a school here in Moorhead so cool and that's now it was 2017 right so it's been six years yep yeah and you're in the old uh, the old Hardy's building which I love <laughs> every time I drive by that like, yeah, so Hardy's used to be <laughs> <laughs> no it's kind of an odd transition but it works great <laughs> it does it's a, it's a good location I mean it's obviously done done well for you and stuff and so what are a couple of things that just from opening I mean obviously it's a lot different than going into like an after school program in an existing building versus having your own spot what are a few maybe the challenges you run into or something that man I wish I would have known that you know back then I would have done that a little differently Any, anything that stands out from that that's a, that's a tricky question. I guess mostly I think a lot of people don't think about the things that I maybe went to school for from a business standpoint. So having a business degree allowed me those things that a lot of times get overlooked, like understanding overhead and insurance and billing and, and accounting and things like that. So my schooling really kind of helped take up a lot of the slack that probably would have happened in those areas had I not had that experience. Nice. Um, so I really, so that was really fortunate to have that. I think the, obviously, I mean, as with all, I think martial arts schools, I think the biggest struggle we've had since opening was COVID. Of course that, you know, had a huge impact. So we're fortunate and um, excited that we, you know, made it through that and survived that. Um, So I think that was probably our biggest challenge. You mentioned COVID. I'm just kind of wondering how exactly did that affect your school? Did you guys have to close down for a certain amount of time? You know, with the kind of martial arts you teach, it's very hands-on. Were you able to do anything during COVID or did you have to close for a while? So we had to shut down being on the Minnesota side, we were required to shut down. Um, so we did shut down. And, but the nice thing is with our platform, we do a lot of training videos online. So we were able to have zoom classes. And so we did a lot. It was kind of interesting. The kids were in the living rooms of their houses and their kitchens and things like that. So it was a little awkward, Mm -hmm. but it was still good to be able to communicate with them and try to keep those relationships going. Um, so, 
And then those kids that were into it during COVID, we were able to, most of them came back. So the ones that were able to watch the videos online and were really dedicated, those were the students that stuck with it. Of course, you lose some, you know, overall, but yes. for the most part, those ones that were really dedicated to, to those training videos, I answered questions over the phone. I would send text messages. Yeah, we made it work. It was definitely a struggle, though. And you actually answered that other question because I was going to ask how many did you lose anyone? Because that's everyone I've talked to that had shut down during COVID at least lost a small percentage. I think most of the ones I talked to, over 90% of their students came back, which is good. Yeah, the kids definitely stayed back. I saw probably the most loss with my adult students, but the kids, ironically, they were the ones that were the diehards. They were the ones that stuck it out. So that was kind of a neat dynamic for me. They were, you know, asking their moms and dads like, hey, we got class tonight or, you know, they were more nervous if they couldn't attend class, you know, so it was it was kind of interesting. And then we were creative, you know, like, okay, take this, you know, like couch cushion, you know, and then use that and like jump over that and try to, you know, because they don't have equipment at home, you know, so we had to get really creative and like using soup cans for like your angles and footwork and going around, you know, soup cans instead of cones. And yeah, we had some fun with it. So. Think back to, you know, when you were in Minot, you were still, a, I think you said a blue belt when you first started teaching and helping out to now. You've been running your own school now for six years. What uh, what has changed the most about your teaching style over the years? I think just in general, being more confident, right? The more you do stuff, the more confident you're in at teaching it. I think teaching every day, though, I still I still learn. I, um, I, the more you do it, the more you get better at like your classroom management style in terms of like, oh, well, that didn't work. I better not put those two kids together. <laughs> like, you know, so <laughs> yeah. um, or different, you know, and then teaching different ages and learning the, the mat management. You know, I remember, again, Shanshibu Martin did a great job of preparing me as did, uh, you know, our other black belts in California for, for just mat management, because I don't think that's something that comes with normal training unless you tell them like hey you want to do this and I remember when I first started teaching you know it's like how how often do you give them water breaks or or how much is too much before you give them a break or where do you stand to give optimal vision of what you're teaching and how how often do you move around the mat and check each group or um, do you do the drill for 30 seconds or do you do drills for five minutes or you know just all those things that you don't really think about when you're just in a class that goes into teaching martial arts and I think that's something that I really am thankful for that he gave me great guidance in, as did, like I said, some of the other black belts in California that I was fortunate enough to intern with or train with out there. You talked about opening your school, and I want to back up a little bit. You said, you know, when you were first got involved in that school and when you were like testing and stuff, you were one of very few female students. So when you were opening your school, was that something that was on your mind? Was that any kind of struggle? Because that's, I don't, I don't know if I mentioned this to you or not, but just even doing my show, I struggled just to find female guests. I mean, were you worried that maybe it would be harder for a female school owner, female instructor, or did that not even cross your mind? It didn't even cross my mind. I think when before I opened my school, there was a lot of pushback to like, oh, you're not going to make it. And, you know, that sort of stereotype stuff. But not once was I ever concerned about not making it. I am confident in my teaching. I know I was great with kids. I, you know, I do. I was kind of like, oh, maybe not with the adults. That will take more time convincing the community or convincing adults that like I know what I'm doing. But I was never concerned about making the school a success. It might just be that my dynamic or my geographic of my students might be a little bit more heavy towards the kids and that's fine you know I'm I'm fine with that and then with that came the parents and so then the parents then brought more adults and so it just kind of grew that way 
Nice. And I, and I love that because that's something that, you know, I told the story one, I can't remember if I actually told it on the podcast, but I know I told it to one of my guests. I was at a tournament years ago. This was like probably 20 years ago. And there was a female instructor there with her students. And I remember the instructor had walked away from some of her students and another instructor actually walked over, tried to poach her students and actually made some kind of comment like, you know, well, who do you want to teach you how to fight a man or a woman? And I was standing like five feet away and I'm like, you didn't actually just do that. You jerk. I'm like, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I know. And, and, and here's one you'll appreciate. When I was in, when I lived in California, me and my buddy went and just toured a bunch of schools and we went to one school and I can't remember the style. I don't remember that, but the, the grandmaster who was running it, first of all, he did little to nothing. He just walked around and told people what to do. He didn't do any techniques himself. He just kind of like pointed a, a stick and told people what to do. But the worst part, we were watching the class and they were doing exercises and I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but they said something like, all right, class, uh, you know, 50 sit-ups and then he paused and he's like and and females 25 and like every exercise he cut it in half for the oh. women i know and my Whoa, me and my friend cool. looked at each other we're like we have students that would probably go out there and kick his butt for even attempting to do that <laughs> yeah there was no when you're on my mat doesn't matter you know what gender you are you're just you're a student we don't you know and i have a lot of boy students who are like oh you know with their girl partners and i was like no you you train they're they're a student they're a karate student they're not a boy or a girl they're just you know they're your classmate you know you go out there and you train so yeah and it's hard for them sometimes to get over that but it's it's good and the same thing with like I have a lot of like a male uh, students come in and that are maybe older than me mm -hmm. and you know I tell them I don't have to prove anything to you and I'm not here to beat you up like I'm here to make you a better martial artist and you know if you're open-minded I've got lots I can teach you and at first they're hesitant um, and then I have assistant instructors who are male and I have them hold bags and the moment I start pointing stuff out they're like oh she knows what she's talking about I'm like you're not rotating your hips or you're not turning your feet or and then they're like oh you know and so then they give me more credit but I think at first there's some hesitance especially with you know the adults so I like it awesome so then have from the your first year starting in 2017 how many of your students from then are still with you have you had a number that has stuck with it the whole time and really dedicated themselves yeah I would probably say I have about a dozen that wow. have been with me That's from the awesome. get-go so and how many have you uh, brought to black belt in that time actually at this point in time none oh okay so in our no and i've i've got i've got a couple that are that are close um well, and by close COVID, probably, COVID probably hurt that too i suppose um there's some of that i think a lot of people underestimate how long it takes to get a black belt right. and our style is probably one of the longer um similar to like i often try to compare us in that in terms of timeline when you think about arts like jujitsu mm -hmm. that take much longer to get your black belt right. shoshu probably falls closer in that line um it takes you know good five to seven years like almost minimum i would say oh, wow. and that's assuming that you're training at least two days a week so okay, it can nice. take it take a while <laughs> so. So at what point and at what level when you were did you decide that you were going to have your students start doing the competition thing was that did one of them come to you and say hey i want to do this tournament or was this something that you went to them and said hey we have this opportunity what do you guys think kind of how did that that because that's where i met you was at a tournament and, and i know you guys have actually had some some success at some tournaments so how did that kind of start yeah so again that was kind of shanjifu martin's kind of push in the sense that he he brought some of his students to the fargo open the year i opened my school mm -hmm. here in town and i didn't even know it was a thing and he told me he's like hey i'm gonna bring some kids down to do this tournament at the fargo open they said we can come as long as we play by the rules so to speak and I said, sure. And so I went up to at the time at uh, North, um, North High or whatever, and yep. watched the competition. And I thought, you know what, next year, I, 
want to bring bring some of my own students. And that just kind of started it off. And then I was fortunate enough um, to be uh, led into the fold, so to speak, with the other other schools in the region. And we've been fortunate enough to go to other tournaments and enjoy being part of that family as well. And I've talked to other instructors, heard nothing but amazing things about your students and just, you know, the manners and the respect. And so that's, I love to see that. That's so cool because that, that reflects on the instructor a lot. So that's, you're obviously doing it right. Thank you. Now you've run your own school for this time. You've trained at, you know, you trained in boxing, you trained in another school, you know, and why not? What is some advice you would give someone who's thinking of getting involved in martial arts for the very first time? They know nothing about it and they just want a couple tips, you know, hey, what should I look for in a school and maybe some things I should avoid? Sure. I, well, I think for me, don't just maybe try one school, like try multiple schools. At one point in my life, I had been had the opportunity to try other martial arts schools. You know, a lot of schools do that, you know, free trial or whatever. And try mm-hmm. try different schools. Try to figure out what you like. Everybody likes something different. But I think for me personally, the most important thing is the instructor. It doesn't really matter what style. I mean, you want to like the style for sure, but the instructor makes or breaks a good martial arts school to me. Definitely. 100%. (laughs) I don't know how many, how many of my episodes you've listened to, but I've told the story a handful of times. My, one of my first instructors when I moved up to this area was basically a John Kreese from Karate Kid. It was a horrible person, horrible instructor. And, and I almost got to the point where I quit martial arts completely because of him. So, so it's luckily I, I found a, you know, master Jim and switched, yes. switched to his school and, and got very lucky with that. But yeah, it's the instructor is so important. And I just told another guest the other day, I, I feel bad for people who grew up in a small town, like, like a Nevis. I grew up in little falls, Minnesota, you know, and I grew up, there was one school in my town. I had no choice. I mean, it, luckily that was a good instructor, but you know, I didn't have, you know, I was 10 years old. I couldn't drive 30 miles to St. Cloud or Brainerd and go to another school or something like that if i wanted to sure. train in martial arts i was training in tung sudo because that's all we had at the time so <laughs> yep. so you mentioned you had tried some other what, what are some other styles you tried out and what are some, maybe some things you liked about them um sure so i definitely personally i um would also like to improve my jiu-jitsu game i like that i that's you know something that's of interest to me so i want to continue to train when i have the opportunity to do that in that style nice. um i've tried um some okinawan karate I really enjoy that. I've done a few seminars with those people and really enjoy that. Uh, Again, it's just having the opportunity. I don't get a chance to train that style very often. Mm -hmm. I've tried some different Taekwondo schools down Iowa City. I was down there doing some training for a business career I had at one point in my life. And so I tried out like probably like they have lots of martial arts down there. And so I think I tried out like five different martial arts schools and some of them were were good and some of them were not. And, and every school is, is, every school is different. And like you said, every school has a different culture. Like, so you want to find a school that, that fits your, your morals and your values and and the culture you want to be in. So, so is there a style you've haven't got to turn in yet that you'd love to just try sometime? Maybe you read about it or seen it in a movie or, or you know someone else who does it in another state. You're just like, I'd love to try that style. I think for me, any of the Filipino mm-hmm. uh, martial arts, yes. the Japanese, any of those um, really pure Eastern styles would are always fascinating to me. I'm actually, I don't want to like give anything away, but I'm hoping to bring someone up to do some some Cali and some uh, uh, Filipino stuff as a seminar up in this area. So I will definitely let you know if that happens. So, uh, please do. Yeah. <laughs> That'd F- be great. Fingers crossed. So we'll see. We'll see. So now you primarily train in a very traditional martial art, very self-defense based. What are your thoughts on something like you know MMA and the UFC? And is that something you're a fan of? 
You know, I think it has its place for sure. I definitely have nothing against it. it it's not it's not personally. At one point, I would contemplated it, you know, um, before I opened my school. It was kind of like, do I, you know, train hard and do the, you know, try it, you know, and I would contemplated it. I don't have anything against it. Mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, the hardest part I personally struggle with it is from a pure martial arts standpoint. I worry about like ego and, you know, are they getting? Um, what kind of people are they? You know, like for me, a martial arts is a lifestyle. It's about having those core values. And sometimes I worry in that line of, of training that you lose some of that loyalty, respect, honor side of the martial arts that I hold very um, close to my heart. Nice. And I can tell you in all the years I was involved in it and, and judging it, I've met one of the nicest people in the world through MMA and one of the biggest jerks in the world through MMA. So yeah, there are all kinds in between, which is interesting. But I didn't know this about you, that you had actually contemplated doing it. So I'm curious if you would have done it, what would your walkout song have been? Oh, shit. I have no idea. <laughs> no? Okay. See, I thought everyone just i thought everyone just had that in their mind. Like, if I ever do something like that, if I ever did MMA or like even like, oh, how about that for softball? What was your walk-up song for softball? <laughs> do you remember? Uh, it's going to sound really lame now in hindsight, <laughs> um, but um, only the good die young. Oh, nice. Billy Joel. Okay. Yeah. I, I like that. I could see that. Probably not good for <laughs> MMA, but... No, no. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. So that's so cool. Because I mean, that's another thing too. I've judged over a thousand fights, and every time like someone comes out with just a horror, I'm like, why did you pick that song? That's it doesn't fit. It's, it's like you got to put more thought into that. So and, and, and same with softball too. I, I I've yeah. actually changed my ringtone because of you know softball walk up songs I've heard at, at the college level. Like, oh, that's really cool. What song is that? So, all right. So in all your years then in martial arts, is there one philosophy you've learned that just stands out? It rises to the top. You still teach it to your students. You keep coming back to it. I think it's just, it's going to sound again, somewhat, you know, like everybody says that, right. But just not giving up, like having, I think martial arts really teaches kids to be confident and not give up and like set goals and to truly work hard. Like if you really want something, you have to work for it. You have to earn it. I think often people think, oh, you know, you do, you train for three months, you get your belt. No, you have to earn it. And I think that's one thing that I really admire about martial arts, even in this day and age, like we don't give belts, like you have to earn them. And I think that's something that I really drive home to my students. That's cool. Yeah. And you know, and yes, yeah, there are some out there that unfortunately do that, but I don't consider them martial art. It, right. I agree. <laughs> yeah, A real martial art, you do have to earn it and it's, it's not easy to earn. So that's really good. So what now you've been doing this for, for over 10 years. What, what are your maybe short-term goals for Mar- What do you want to accomplish next in martial arts? What's kind of your, your next on your, on your list that you want to check off? Um, so I'm kind of dueling between two. Um, okay. I would like to become, so what in show, would be the equivalent of this is interesting too a, a third degree or what we call a mongoose master so in shoshu it's a hybrid of seven styles which is the beast arts mm-hmm. so unlike taekwondo where when you get your second degree in taekwondo you learn more taekwondo yeah. where in shoshu you master a, an entirely different style oh, so wow. i am what we call a bear master and a tiger master and so now i'm working on becoming a mongoose master which when people are like oh you're a third degree that's cool and i'm like yeah but in our style it takes five to seven years to earn each 
degree. Oh, um, wow. so, okay. so it takes, it takes a long time. So I'm, I'm working on my, my third and a mongoose master. And the other kind of parallel with that is I would love to, um, get my blue belt in jujitsu. Very cool. So are you currently training in jujitsu or, or, and if you are probably not as often as you want to, or? Yeah, that would, that would be correct. Okay. I, um, train in Minot when I get up there and I train here and there where I can. Um, but yeah, definitely something I want to do more of. Okay. Question I actually haven't asked asked a guest in a while, but uh, just curious, do you think, or maybe you don't think we should, but do you think we'll, in our lifetime, we'll ever see martial arts in the public school system? Uh, I wish we would. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think I think there's definitely a lot. Again, it depends on the instructor. It depends on how it's implemented. But I know in China, it's a requirement. Yep. Um, to, so I think there's, but first we have to get fired back in schools <laughs> before yeah. they'd even consider yeah. martial arts. Let's be honest. But I do, I do think it would be something that should be implemented or at least as an elective. You know, I do know that some schools do offer self-defense classes as an elective, which mm-hmm. I, I think that's great. But I do think martial arts has a place with being, you know, teaching kids discipline and things that every kid really could could use. Yeah. And I think the biggest challenge with it, and, and I actually tried to do it in, in Fargo years ago at a middle school and had the support of the principal, but the school board said no. And they just, they couldn't get over the fact in their mind that martial arts equaled violence. They would not listen to reason. It was just, they had their minds made up before I even stepped in there to talk to them. It was just, you know, martial arts is violence. No, it's not. (laughs) So, so yeah, it's, it's getting, getting over the people's misconceptions, I think will be the, would be the biggest hurdle in my opinion. Yeah. All right. I have some fun questions to wrap it up. Now this one doesn't have to be four, but it, it can be, you know, people, you know, people you've trained with, it can be someone like a Chuck Norris or a Bruce Lee, but you know, three, four, five, six, seven names that you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts. Um, well, definitely Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee, of course. Nice. Um, and, and then I honestly, I do have to put Chun Chifu Martin up there. I think that he has inspired me at a level that um, is deserving of some recognition there. And then the other one is probably uh, Kyoshi Klein. Um, I really enjoyed training with him and hope I get the opportunity to do that in the future. Cool. And, that, and that's your instructor's instructor? Uh, no, it's another instructor that specializes in Okinawan karate. Oh, oh Mike Klein. Okay. Yeah. 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 I know. Yeah. Mike, I'm actually supposed to have Mike on the show. We just, we've had a pain getting it scheduled. So I need to actually reach out to him again. But yeah, Mike's, Mike's a super cool guy. He's one of the first instructors I met when I moved up here. And, and um, I know he moved away. So that's why it's been harder to lock him down for an interview. But I got to give him a call one of these days. So, all right. How about a favorite martial arts book? Ooh. Zen in the martial arts. Ah, Joe Hyams. Nice. Is that usually the one you'll recommend to other people too? I do. I, I like I like that one. I think because it gets at the essence of martial arts, thus the Zen part. So okay. I really enjoy that one. For, as a business instructor, I don't even quite remember the title of it, but I remember reading. You know, when you open a school, there's always these you know textbooks basically on how to open a school or mm-hmm. whatever. And I wish I could remember the exact title, but it was actually written by a guy from Europe, and it was really a lot of ways inspirational about like if you're gonna do it, you need to jump into it and and love what you do. But if you don't really love martial arts, like deep in your heart, then don't waste your time. And so I thought, you know, he he goes into it much more than that, but that's kind of the essence of what his book was. And it really spoke to me. So, so is there any uh, good books on, on Shoshu out there? You know, there is not. Shoshu being a Chinese art is very much an oral tradition. Okay. I was just, yeah, because I'd, I'd searched and couldn't find anything because that's like, I always love adding new books to my library and, and I'd, I'd love to learn more about the art myself. So I was hoping to maybe find something to read, but okay. How about a favorite martial arts video game? 
Were you ever a gamer? <laughs> so the Ninja Turtles like, <laughs> hey. on, on Sega um, was probably the only one I can, you know, played or know of. So. Nice. Although I shouldn't say that back in the day, of course, Mortal Kombat on the arcade games. Yep. So, yep. Okay. so being the being a huge Ninja Turtles fan, I don't know if you've, you've had a chance to listen to my most recent episode that came out just yesterday, but it was, uh, Donatello from Ninja Turtles 2 and 3 back in the early 90s was on my show. So you, oh, you no. might, yeah, you might appreciate totally that. Totally got to check that one out. <laughs> yeah, yeah Steve, Stephen Ho, such a cool guy and, and fun to talk to and cool story about uh, dancing with Vanilla Ice and everything in that movie. So <laughs> yes, of, I remember that movie. Yep. Yeah. So does he. It was, it was, he told some good stories about it. So, all right. How about a favorite martial arts TV show? Hmm. No, I honestly, I can't say I do have one. I actually don't watch a lot of TV. Didn't growing up other than the action movies. So I don't have one. Walker, Texas Ranger. Well, yes. I don't think about that. Well, yes. I was thinking more like traditional, like Bruce Lee Kung Fu TV shows. I think Walker has been said probably at least a dozen times easily, if not more. Oh, (laughs) no. And definitely. In fact, it was funny when I graduated from high school. I don't know if it was meant to be a joke or not, but like my parents got me the entire Walker, Texas Ranger on DVD collection uh, and sent it with me to college. They're like, here, a piece of home. That's really cool. Yeah, I think I've actually interviewed at least five people that have been on that show now so that's kind of cool you know not chuck unfortunately i haven't got chuck yet <laughs> still still hoping still hoping all right how about a favorite martial arts movie mm-hmm. and if you don't pick a chuck norris one i also want to know your favorite chuck norris movie <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i you know um hmm don't know probably i mean like delta force you nice. know isn't really you know it's a fight movie and again yep. you know um probably yep. so I love that. And I don't, I don't know if you heard me talk on one of my episodes. I told it. I actually just about last October was at my mom's house helping her clean out in the garage. And I actually found I still have the six foot cardboard poster that was in the lobby of the theater in Little Falls when Delta Force came out. I got the owner to give it to me and I still have it. Wow. <laughs> <Yes>. Wow. <laughs> if I had room for it, I'd probably bring it and put it in my podcast studio, but I don't have room for it in here right now. But man, it's yeah, I, I can't believe it. I'm like, oh my God, you still have that? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yeah, yeah. So really, really cool. <laughs> All right. Now this one doesn't have to be a martial arts movie, just a favorite movie fight scene. Oh, um, anything from the Die Hard series. <laughs> um, nice. there's, just some- <laughs> there's some good ones in there. Yeah. yeah. There's some actually really good fight scenes. I like that. Nice. Well, before I let you go, anything that you want to get out there, talk about, mention, maybe something I, I forgot to ask you about before I let you go that you want to promote or anything or. And I'll, Not, I'll, I'll put links for your school and everything when the episode comes out. Sure. I mean, obviously, I would love for everybody to come in and try my school. But at the, the bottom line, just get out there. Try martial arts if you're new to it, if you've never done it. I think I think it's so interesting, too, because I think people have this stereotype that um, they have to be a warrior or an athlete to step into any martial arts school. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, have you not seen martial arts movies? Like, as an instructor, our, it's our job to take, like, the weak, the nerd, the stereotypical person and turn them into the warrior, you yep. know? So that's our job. And so I think just getting out there and, and trying it, trying anything, anything that's in your hometown or or go check out a self-defense seminar or just just get out there and be open to the possibility of trying things. Nice. And I, that's one question I wanted to ask you. So your students, are you a pretty even blend between kids and adults? Do you have more than one than the other? Kind of how does your, your student layout look? 
Sure. So um, pre-COVID, it was probably 50-50-ish. Now we're probably 70, 30, 70 kids, 30 adults, oh, you know, really? percentage-wise. Okay. Yeah. So it kind of used to be more 50-50. Now we're probably 70, 30 as far as percentages go. And for the adults, do you, do you get a good amount of the parents that try it or are they completely separate with the adults? Um, it's of that 30%, it's probably 50-50. It's probably okay. half parents and half um, walk-ins or, or, you know, different people. Nice. So. That's actually really cool. And then just for people who maybe are local and want to check it out, how, how often are classes and, and how can they find you? Sure. So um, the easiest thing to do would be to look us up on our on our website, which is uh, showshoefm.com. Showshoe is S-H-O-U-S-H-U-F-M.com is the easiest way. That's where you'll see all our classes and our listings. And um, we do have classes Monday through Thursday. We offer two free classes to come in and, and try us out. So Awesome. Well, I just want to thank you. This was so much fun. You're, you're, you're so fun to talk to and you just have this infectious personality. And I, I love chatting with you and I, I can't wait to see you in person. And I'm, you know, my goal is to come try out your school myself too. It's just with this podcast, I have no free time. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've wanted to come check it out since you opened and it's been so crazy, but yeah, I, I, I definitely want to, at the very minimum, I'm sure I'll probably see it at the Fargo open again for sure. So of course, (laughs) but once again, I just thank you for your time and, and it's been such a blast. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you'll join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.